Chris, my friend, we're changing up the intro right now because it is draft week. How exciting. The draft is finally here after this long and arduous journey studying tape on players who will toil away on the 49ers practice squad. Chris, how you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. Yeah, You said it perfectly. This has been arduous. And as we were talking about just before we hit record, especially these last two weeks, because my God, there's so much smoke coming up from pretty much every outlet. Uh, I, I feel like it's probably illegal in some states. Yeah, I was going to say, it reminds me of like a 90s diner. You know, you just walk oh, in yeah. and there's just smoke. I think there was smoking back in diners in the 90s. I'm not really sure. I was a little kid back then. But regardless of the fact, we are here today, ladies and gentlemen, to discuss our big board over at Big Blue View that Chris and I have assembled of the top four rounds at each position, the players who we value in those rounds. And we're going to start with this podcast going over the offense. And look, we have 81 players ranked on the offensive big board who we believe could be selected in the first four rounds of the draft, or that's just where our grades are collectively. There's 156 total. So we have 75 players on the defensive board, which we'll be going over in a subsequent podcast. But if that's uh, all we have here, Chris, you want to dive right into the quarterbacks who we have 10 of on this list? Yeah, it's a quarterback driven league. We might as well start there. Let's do it. So we have 10 quarterbacks on our big board. It is Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are the first rounders. And then we have a first and second designation. There was a little bit of um, debate between Chris and I on where Anthony Richardson should fall. I, I said first rounder. Chris was a little bit more comfortable the first second just because of the raw nature of his game right now. But we both believe his upside is absolutely through the roof just because of the baseline athletic traits that he possesses. Yeah, I Anthony Richardson, his athletic traits, it's hard to describe them as baseline because he might just be the most athletic quarterback to ever play in the NFL. That's saying a lot, but also considering his size, considering his speed, his explosiveness, hell, even the agility he has at his side, it is incredibly rare on top of that just absolute howitzer of an arm he has attached to his right shoulder the upside, the potential with Anthony Richardson is absolutely insane. The only thing holding me back with him from lumping him in with Young and Stroud at the top of the draft is just he is raw as a quarterback. He doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of tape, and his mechanics are kind of all over the place. I think his... His uh, floor, like a lot of people talk about, yeah, his ceiling is high, but I think a quarterback like this, he still has a high floor just because of what he can do for you on the ground because he is such a freak athlete. I mean, look at what Justin Fields did with the Chicago Bears this past year. He's, it's not like he's taken significant steps throwing the football. He flashes, but it's still inconsistent. But what he can do with his legs, it makes defenses pay. And it really stresses these, these defensive coordinators as well. And I think Anthony Richardson can do that for you at the least. Right. So I'm excited about the prospects of him in the NFL. I think he's going to be one of the more just uh, exciting players to watch. But Chris, man, there is a um, two other quarterbacks who are in his tier of the first and second round, Hendon Hooker and Will Levis. And you brought this up at the top of the show a little bit, my man. It is smokescreen season, but Levis right now, according to a lot of books, Vegas Insider, a lot, a lot of these books, he is the overwhelming favorite to be the second overall pick. How does that make you feel? Um, it, That's just kind of a big old okay on my, on my part. I cannot see a team drafting Will Levis over Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I mean, okay, yes. Will Levis was dealing with injuries. He had a lot of nagging injuries his final year at Kentucky. And I'm sure that impacted his game. I'm sure that played into his regression from the 2021 season. However, even at his best, his best in 2021, he was still a worse player than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I, I, I would not put it past an NFL team to 
look at him and say he could be Josh Allen for us. But man, I I would have a hard time betting my job on that. As would I. I I would I would say I have this other quarterback higher than Will Levis from the tape that I've seen and just from buying into everything that I hear about him, even though he's coming from Josh Heupel's offense. And this quarterback is in the same tier with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis on this big board, and that is Hendon Hooker. Would you like to speak on why you believe in Hendon Hooker? Because I believe you and I are on the same page in the sense that we really value this kid, and we think that he has a big pro-ready arm and that he can make all the NFL throws and everything's working up in his brain. It's just... He doesn't have the high-end tape playing in a more conventional offense because the last two seasons he spent with Josh Heupel in Tennessee. Yes, and I really do like what Hendon Hooker is able to do on the field. Just scouting all of the Tennessee players, all of their offensive players, Darnell Wright, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Hendon Hooker, of course, not to mention the Alabama players on their defense. I've watched that game between Tennessee and Alabama a bunch, and I have gotten, each time I get more impressed by the, the way Hooker was able to play Alabama's defense and play their expectations against them. Like he knows Josh Heupel's offense is really kind of dirt simple. It might be the the simplest offense since Art Bryles was co- was coaching at Baylor. They've got these super wide splits. It's basically a one read and throw or scramble. But Hooker understood that and he used his eyes, his eye discipline and his body language at times to pull the entire Alabama defense off of the read he knew he was going to, and then basically work a single coverage with no possibility of a double team, nobody over the top to either Cedric Tillman or Jalen Hyatt, and then let them do their thing. He has a great arm. He's got great accuracy. And when he was able to pull down the ball and run, he's an athlete as well. So I think he does have it. Look, I believe he does have the mental capacity, the football IQ to transition to a more sophisticated offense because I say that because, well, the NFL as a whole is transitioning to more of a college style offense where they do have a lot more one, two man reads, a lot of quick game uh route concepts a whole lot more rpos than they had even five years ago so i don't think that transition is going to be quite the same for hooker as it would have been in like 2003 plus he was also at virginia tech where they ran a little bit more of a conventional style offense now he didn't put up the type of stats that he had at tennessee but this is, and I'm glad you brought up his athletic ability because this is somebody who has over 2,000 yards rushing in his career in college. He has 25 rushing touchdowns. So this guy can run the football. I really uh, buy into his skill set and it just sucks that he tore his ACL near the end of the season. He had a real legitimate shot of possibly being the Heisman Trophy winner if that never happened with a 27 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio. But Chris, let's transition here to the running back position. Well, actually, no, let's first go over the fourth rounders. I'm sorry, the quarterback. (laughs) I forgot because Chris and I didn't have any quarterbacks in the second and the third round, but we had our our chunk of developmental favorites in the fourth round. Some, um, if you have a quarterback that either you're that's either older or you're not really 100% sold on, you could bring these players in and who knows, they could develop and become a Kirk Cousins. It's Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, Clayton Toon, from Houston, Jaron Hall from BYU, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, and Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Chris, who was your favorite of that group other than Dorian Thompson Robinson? Because I believe that's the direction you're going to go. So if we remove Dorian Thompson Robinson, who we have at the top of that list, who was your favorite from that group and why? You know, leaving DTR aside, who I think is both of our favorites from this group, I'm kind of yes. torn between Clayton Toon and Jaron Hall. Yeah, I think Jaron Hall, he is. For a while, people were kind of toying with the idea of maybe him being like a potential day two sleeper as a quarterback, but I also think he's kind of got a little bit of uh, stink on him from the way Zach Wilson has played for the Jets, you know, coming out as a 
mobile dual threat quarterback from BYU playing in basically that same offense and just kind of flopping in the NFL. I, I think that people are just down on BYU quarterbacks in general, but Jaron Hall's got some traits. He's got some mobility. He's got a decent arm and he does flash some decent accuracy. I think he has some traits and tools that that you can work with to at the very least develop him into a into a viable backup. And Clayton Toon, he is a he is a guy I we've both watched and he is capable of making some pretty impressive throws. You know, particularly watching other teams against Houston. It's just all of a sudden you know, Toon will roll out, find a receiver down the field, and basically hit him in stride. And it's like, okay, wow, why, why aren't I hearing more about this guy? And he moves better than than I feel like is advertised, right? Because you could see him get out of the pocket, or sometimes if the B gap came open, as we know the New York Giants love to use in 2022, if that came open, he would oblige and and he can run, and he's pretty thickly built as well at six two, two hundred and twenty pounds. So. I mean, he's a 24-year-old Jaron Hall. He's a little bit older because he served religious missions because he went to BYU. I believe he is 25 as well. But if you need a developmental quarterback for Daniel Jones and it's not DTR, I think a player like Clayton Toon, possibly Jaron Hall, that could fit what the Giants are looking for in terms of just a mobile player who you don't need to drastically change your offense to fit. Yeah, or they could just draft DTR. Or they could just draft DTR. All right, <laughs> let's move to uh, running backs. I know um, Chris and I both like UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, but for the running back position, we only have two in the first round or first and second round category. The first round is Bijan Robinson, who might be my highest graded player. I have to check, but he might be my highest graded player overall. He's just an absolute stud. He just plays a running back position. It's a little bit devalued. And then in the first and second round range, we have Jameer Gibbs, the Alabama receiving back who is comped a lot to Alvin Kamara, transferred from Georgia Tech before this season. Very exciting bolt of lightning when he has the football in his hands. But that is our first round and our first and second round here. Do you have anything on Robinson or Gibbs, buddy? Um, they are very impressive players. They're very fun to watch. And no, the Giants should not draft them. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Very nice and concise right there. Let's go to the second round, though. And these are just where we value them. That doesn't mean they will be selected in the second round. They could possibly fall to the third round. And that is UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet. Tajay Spears out of Tulane, and then Devin A-Chain out of Texas A&M. All three of these backs are drastically different. Charbonnet has a three-down type of skill set. He's not nearly as dynamic as Spears and A-Chain with the football in his hands, but for a bigger type of back, a guy who is like, you know, what, 215, 220 pounds, he does a really good job kind of contorting his body to make these defenders have these tough tackle attempts and his contact balance is exceptional. Tajay Spears has that trait only better than Charbonnet, not the contact <laughs> balance, but just in terms of I'm in a phone booth, try to play tag with me and somehow he wins and he just never gets touched when you are in these very tight confined spaces. And when he opens up his stride, he is also somebody who I feel like has breakaway speed, even though he's not given credit for it. But if you watch some of the tape that he has when he is in space, he is running away from defensive backs and it's very impressive. And then A-Chain just has speed and spades, man. That guy, you get him the football in space, he can really hit home runs and grand slams for you. So all three different backs, but those are our three second round grades. Chris, you have anything on any of those three? Yeah, I, I would say of the three, I think Charbonnet and Spears are the two I would prefer. Uh, Charbonnet, he's just a, I, I like how you described him as a three down back. He can do pretty much anything for you. And yeah, he is, he is the type of guy who can keep an offense on schedule. He is the train conductor out there. You just hand him the ball. He will pick up five yards for you come hell or high water. And he is the captain now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it does. It almost doesn't matter what the defense does. Cause he can, he's got some wiggle. I think he's got more wiggle than his frame would suggest. He's got the ability to drop his hips, make some cuts, but he can also use that truck stick and just run dudes over. And no, he might not pick up the 50 yard touchdown run that winds up on sports centers, top 10, but he can get you 10 five-yard carries and 
keep drives alive all day long. And then Tajay Spears, I, I may, I've made the comp before. He reminds me of David Wilson coming out of Virginia Tech. Just explosive athlete, twitchy, and he does have some great contact balance and great vision. He is the guy who can keep a drive alive, but also score that 50-yard touchdown. And if we move on to the third round, we have Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Then we have Kendry Miller out of TCU, who Chris and I both really value. Roshan Johnson, the backup to Bijan Robinson at Texas, who could have a three-down starting skill set in the NFL. Israel Abataconda, one of the coolest last names in this draft class out of Pitt. Another just absolute home run hitter, similar to Devon A-Chain out of Texas A&M. And then Chase Brown out of Illinois. Chris, pick one of these players and give me your opinion of said player. You know, I actually want to talk about Kendra Miller because he is not getting talked about enough. You know, he's had an injury. He hasn't been able to perform really at all throughout the draft process. So I think he's really kind of fallen below the radar and fallen between the cracks. But if you like Jameer Gibbs and to a certain extent Bijan Robinson, you should be paying attention to Kendra Miller because he is very well-rounded. He can run between the tackles. He can run off tackle. He can run in inside or outside zone. And he is also a good receiving back. Like, you might not want him, you know, trying to go out and pick up an edge defender in pass protection, but he can deliver a chip, get out into the flat, and be a perfect outlet on third down, or you can move him over to the slot, put him in a wheel route or an angle route, whatever, and he can pick up chunk yardage through the air. So he has a very diverse skill set and really, really good for the modern NFL offense. Yeah, I really liked Kendry Miller's tape when I went through TCU, and it was obvious that TCU missed him because he did not play in the national championship game, although the, the backup did well against Michigan, I believe it was, uh, in, the, in the previous matchup. I don't remember the backup's name, but Kendry Miller is definitely somebody who I have my eye on. And uh, if you want a Devon A-Chain type a little bit later on in the draft, because Israel Abataconda at a pit, he might be available a little bit after the third round. That's just where we have him valued because he has that type of skill set where you give him one crease and he sees it and he's gone. It's very hard to track a player like that down. So I think that's something that the Giants offense – might be looking for because the Giants offense wants to create explosive plays. It's what they lacked last season. They were dead last in doing so. And Saquon Barkley helps you with that. But adding a compliment who can come off the bench fresh and give you some of that, especially if he is available past round three in an Israel Abataconda because A-Chain will be gone by that point. I feel like that's very, very valuable. And there's another player who kind of falls into that category. He's in the fourth round, Chris, in our big cluster, and that is Keaton Mitchell, who we have near the bottom of our fourth round grades. He is out of ECU, so a smaller school, but another just absolute home run hitter. And the rest of the players that are in this group of fourth round grades for us, Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, Zach Evans out of Ole Miss, Sean Tecker out of Syracuse, Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas <laughs> State, Keaton Mitchell out of ECU, and Evan Hull out of Northwestern. Some of these guys will likely be available past the fourth round, but I do believe they each have a unique skill set that can be leveraged in year one of their careers where they could find the football field relatively early. Chris, who do you want to talk about from this group? Well, actually, th this might be the most interesting group to talk about because here I think is where you start getting into just awesome value at running back. Yeah. Each of these guys are, they have the potential to be year one contributors. Like you said, maybe not starters, although a couple of them, I would not be surprised to see become starters really before their rookie contracts out. Uh, looking particularly at, uh, I'm sorry, looking particularly at Sean Tucker and maybe even Zach Evans. Because, yeah, Tucker is, I've mentioned it before, he was just the engine for Syracuse's offense. He did everything for them, ran the ball, was a, was a receiver. He was just all over the place for them. And if they needed to, if they needed to pick up yard, yardage, that was where they went. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is a guy we both love. And I think, I think tracking him throughout the draft is going to be fun because he's going to get drafted way later than he should. And then all of a sudden, he's going to explode next year. And then Evan Hall, 
man, he was he is fun too, and I think he might have made some money for himself at the scouting combine. Just the way he took every rep to the to the end zone didn't matter what the drill was. He if he had a ball in his hand, he was running a hundred yards. That's all there was to it. I know. I'm wondering if the other running backs there were like, dude, you're extra, man. Well, you know what? <laughs> a little bit of extra can get you drafted early. And I know there's a lot of coaching staffs that will fall for that type of stuff. And I'm glad you brought up Deuce Vaughn. And he's in this list, like watching him against Alabama, that 88 yard touchdown run he had against Alabama is still hilarious to me because Tua Toa just overplays it and, and Deuce Vaughn makes him pay, but watching him kind of like run and open up his stride. Cause he's like five foot five. It, it looked awkward, but Good for him, man. You know, I'm always I'm always going to support a player like that. But let's transition a little bit here to wide receiver. We have one true first round wide receiver grade, and that is Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. And then we move down to the first and second round where we have three players. You could probably guess who they are. Zay Flowers out of Boston College, Jordan Addison out of USC, and Quentin Johnston out of TCU. And Chris. I think all three of these players are realistic options for the Giants at 25. It seems like there's some late buzz coming out about the Giants and Quentin Johnston, and maybe that's just because Jordan Ronan mocked him in his mock draft to the New York Giants at pick 25, but I wouldn't be shocked if he is the pick, if he is still available at that selection, would you? I don't think I would. Uh, depending on who else was available, I think I might be a little bit disappointed in that just because the more of Quentin Johnston I've watched, the the lower I have been on him. Yeah, he is, and we talked about this while we were setting up our board, he is a big body, but does not play like it. And then add to that the kind of, the, the issues he had hanging on to the ball at times. Yeah, there, I, there's some risk there with him. I personally would prefer Zay Flowers, but we'll have to see what happens. I prefer Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison to Quentin Johnston as well. He's a little bit too much of a body catcher for me. Doesn't yes. really command the catch point. I think the selection of him would be a projection. I think it would be the coaching staff really and the and the general manager in front office really liked him in the interview process. And I think that he can take and that he can learn and that they can leverage what he does well, which is speed and athletic ability because he moves like a smaller wide receiver as well when he catches like the way he ran comeback routes and and stick routes the way he was always able to make those big 12 again big 12 defenders miss in space it was impressive even though they're big 12 defenders but i just wouldn't be shocked that's a selection even though that's not my first selection even for wide receiver which isn't the first position group that i really want the giants to invest in at 25 either but i understand it if they do but if we do move a little bit down the list right here to the second round we have a nice cluster of players who I do believe are very valuable in different ways. First off, Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. He's at the top. He is above Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I think if you go back and you watch Cedric Tillman's 2021 tape, you will see a football player who, even though he was in Josh Heupel's offense, can play in, I think, any offense as a traditional X type of wide receiver. I think he has that grade of a skill set. He might be the best contested catch wide receiver in this draft class, even better than the five foot eight Josh Downs, who is out of North Carolina, who also slides into this group in the second round. Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma is also up here, a deep threat who was not in the best of offenses the last two seasons, but despite that was still able to produce. We know the Giants are interested in him. And then a favorite of Chris and mine, Tank Dell out of Houston, who a lot of people, they don't necessarily have second round grades on, but I really think Tank Dell has the perfect skill set for what Brian Dable is looking to do. And I know Ed said that on a recent podcast. I think Matt Miller has also said that, but this is something that I've said since January when I turned on Tank Dell's tape and I was like, yeah, I get it. He's small. Even though he looks bigger than five foot eight, 165 pounds when you're watching him, I don't know why he just does to me, Chris, he just looks <laughs> bigger than that. But this guy really doesn't do anything poorly. Everything he does is pretty damn good. He's just miniature sized. He's economy sized, travel sized. <laughs> <laughs> He's diminutive. Let's just insert another, another, another uh, euphemism in there, another synonym for that. But yeah, man, if you were looking at this group of wide receivers right here, and you had your druthers, Chris, and the Giants did not go wide receiver in the first round, and we are in the second round, and all of these guys are still available. Which selection do you think you would make? Um, what role are we looking to fill? Because we we again have 
different body types, different skill sets. If we're still looking for that big X receiver, then you have to go Cedric Tillman. But do the Giants want to build this slot machine where guys get moved all over the place and sometimes they're outside, sometimes they're inside. Yeah, maybe they're running like a two by two and they've got multiple slots. I I don't know, maybe they want to use uh, Darren Waller as their X receiver. I could see it. You know, in that case, I got to say, the Josh Downs, Marvin Wh- Marvin Mims, and Tank Dell all intrigue the hell out of me. Yeah, you know, Josh Downs, he is he is just a wide receiver. The he is such a good route runner and he plays the catch point so well. He flashes his hands late. He has every trick in the book to fake the defensive back right out of his cleats, create separation, use his entire route as a weapon, and then he goes up and fights for the ball. Yeah. I don't disagree when you say that Cedric Tillman was might be the best contested catch receiver in this draft class when he's healthy, but it was Josh Downs who actually leads this draft class in contested catches for 2022. And he is, he is a small receiver, but he plays big. And then you've got Tank Dell who, you know, we've talked about him quite a bit. He does again, pretty much everything. Well, he is just absolutely dynamic no matter what's going on. And then Marvin Mims is, he is just a speed freak out there who has enough size. You could line him up outside. You can play him out of the slot. You can do a lot with him. And he was productive in a bad offense. Moving on to the third round, we have Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss, Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, a former running back who, when I turned on his tape, I can understand the intrigue, but damn, you need a precise quarterback to throw him the football because he cannot adjust well to the football if it is not placed in a precise manner. Jaden Reed, who I feel like is getting slept on a little bit through this process out of Michigan State, and Rasheed Rice from SMU. So you're this is a solid group of wide receivers here where you have the two big body guys, Mingo and Rice, and then the smaller type of guys in Reed and Scott, although they're not diminutive or, or really, really tiny. But I like this solid group of players right here at the third round. Yeah, so do I. I personally I think I like Jaden Reed. He is just the all around good receiver. Like he is a wide receiver three wide receiver four who just hangs around whenever he's on the field he does good things for you he's tough he's athletic enough he can play i think he could certainly be a flanker or slot uh he could probably play the x maybe not be a dominant x but he could do it jonathan mingo is one of the most intriguing players in this draft class because he has every trait you're looking for in a true X receiver. He is big. He is strong. He is athletic. He looks like AJ Brown when he was coming out of Miss, uh, coming out of Ole Miss. And yet the production just isn't there. Now, was it because he was basically just used as a blocker in their offense? Or was he used as a blocker because he just doesn't have it as a receiver? And I think that's going to be a question NFL teams have to answer. But if it comes out that he just wasn't developed well, Man, that could be one hell of a value. And in the fourth round, man, there's a plenty of value here at the wide receiver position. We have A.T. Perry from Wake Forest at the top of the fourth round. Michael Wilson from Stanford. If he wasn't dealing with these injuries and he hasn't finished the last three seasons, Chris, this guy would probably be up in the second round range, maybe even higher. Like I really think the way this guy runs routes, the amount of violence and determination, and the conviction that he has when he runs routes to just manipulate defenders, it's awesome to see. Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, who I've said and I believe the Giants would be interested in because he is a short to intermediate and he can win deep, but a short to intermediate target who just knew how to uncover against zone. And he seems to be a really smart player who will be around in day three. So I I think the Giants will be interested in Iowa State's Xavier Hutchinson, Trey Palmer from Nebraska, the LSU speed transfer, Charlie Jones from Purdue, who we both really like, just a damn good wide receiver who's a little bit smaller, but can align on the outside, has a release package, wins contested catches just to the football, just does really everything pretty well. And then Kayshawn Boutte from LSU, a very frustrating wide receiver who flashed really bright in 2021 and then just fell off a cliff in 2022, was supposed to go back to school and then just 
out of nowhere declared for the draft and somebody who a lot of people thought was going to be a first round pick is now being discussed on day three. You have anything on any of these guys you want to go over real quick? Uh, I just want to touch on Michael Wilson and Keishon Boutte. Yeah, I'm with you. Michael Wilson, he is probably a second round player when he is healthy. He is, I, I love that you use the, the term violent in his route running. He is, he gives you complete full hair on fire effort every single rep. And he does have some very intriguing physical, t- physical traits. I think he absolutely could be a starting receiver in the NFL as long as he is healthy. And that is just the big question with him. And then Boutte, man, I haven't seen a draft process so bad since Paul Dawson back in what the 2015 draft linebacker out of TCU. He was considered a first round pick and then just fell off so, so hard over the course of the draft process. And Boutte, he was considered a first-round pick when the 2022 season started. He was right there with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and yet he never took the next step during the 2022 season, and he has just worked out poorly. He has His pro day didn't go well, and uh, it, it's just so disappointing because there are still flashes where when he is on the same page with his quarterback – He's damn near uncoverable. I mean, he gave Brian Branch fits in that game against Alabama. And yet, what's going on there? I do not know. But, sorry listeners, we are going to take a little break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation before we get to the tight ends, the offensive tackle, and the interior offensive line. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All righty, Chris, listeners, let's dive into the tight ends. This is a very exciting tight end group. The New York Giants might not invest heavy into because they just traded for Darren Waller, and they have Daniel Bellinger from last year who exceeded expectations. But we have three tight ends in the first round and then two in the first and second round. The three in the first round, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, and Darnell Washington out of Georgia. All different types of tight ends, but holy crap, are they exciting in there with with what they do well. Mayer, he is just your can block but isn't, uh, I wouldn't say he's like a dominant blocker, but he can block well. And I think he's a very, very good receiver who might not have that high-end athletic ability like a Dalton Kincaid, who also has maybe the best hands in this entire class, but he can just, he can have success and he is sufficient at the NFL level. That is Michael Mayer in terms of his athletic ability and receiving upside. Darnell Washington is just a freaking freak of nature, man. Like, <laughs> holy crap. And then the other two, uh, the first and second guys we have are Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State and Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Yeah, now, you know, I am not fond of making comparisons for prospects, you know, pro comparisons, because you you always default to a guy, you a, a name you recognize, and then you're comparing a college kid to usually an NFL star. But I have two to make here with this draft class, or with this the top of this tight end class. The first, with Michael Mayer, this, this guy is Jason Witten, just watching him, like he's a good enough blocker. I, I think he does more than just lose slowly. And somehow he has that cloaking device 
that he turns on when he runs routes. And somehow <laughs> the entire defense forgets he exists, even though he was the best player on that Notre Dame offense. And then Darnell Washington is Martellus Bennett. He is a block first tight end, or at least that's the role he had, but complete athletic freak with the traits to be a nightmare mismatch, just a black unicorn running down the field. After the top five, we have only four more on our entire list. We have one second rounder in Tucker Craft, two third rounders in Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, Penn State transfer, Tucker Craft, uh, South Dakota State. I believe I'm getting that right, right? <laughs> like sometimes yep, uh, I believe it was a really Jackrabbit. Is it a state? Is it not? No. Luke Shoemaker <laughs> out of Michigan and then Davis Allen out of Clemson is our fourth rounder. So we have one fourth rounder in Davis Allen, who is another very good contested catch player who is a high effort blocker, an interesting player out of Clemson. And then in the third, Zach Kuntz and Luke Shoemaker, second, Tucker Craft. Do you have anything on those four before we transition to the offensive tackle? You know, I don't think there's a whole lot of a gap between Tucker Craft and Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave, especially considering the the injury questions regarding Luke Musgrave. I The big wild card in all of this is probably Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion because he, is, he has kind of come out of nowhere, but he's what, six foot seven, six foot eight, and just an absolute, even more than Darnell Washington, athletic, freak some team is going to draft him and his production it does not merit a third round grade but his traits his potential his upside that is absolutely off the charts and some team is going to take a stab at that they are going to look at him and say we can work with that and hope that they get just an absolute monster there's so much unrealized talent in this group, man, or just like the tight end group in general, like Tucker Craft missed six games this season with an ankle injury that he suffered. I think it was against Iowa. Like this is somebody who had all these NIL offers to go to Alabama and all of these really high end schools, but he stayed put at South Dakota State. Seems like just a pure football guy, right? Like Sam Laporta played in Iowa's offense. Ew, like that's disgusting. There could be so much more <laughs> as a receiver that can be unlocked. Luke Musgrave is a player who spent most of his time injured, but he's a freaking skier. He's ran track. He's done shot put. Like he, he's played like every sport there is to play. And now that his sole focus is on football with his athletic ability and his capability, like, holy crap, man, these guys, their ceilings are very, very high. So it, the Giants aren't going to look at these guys more than likely, but damn, dude, this is a very exciting tight end class. Yeah, and, and I would say just one other note on Luke Musgrave. He is the nephew of Bill Musgrave, long, long time college and NFL coach. So he also has that working with him. He has, he has basically been immersed in football his whole life while playing all of these other sports. So it, he is... He is another guy who's just dripping with upside. This tight end class is really, really good. And I almost wouldn't be surprised if, say, the Giants wanted to get a pass catcher in round one or round two if they went for a Dalton Kincaid or Luke Musgrave. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, yeah, they, they can operate as your big slot. So not only will the Giants be the slot machine, but now they're going to be the big slot machine. That would be uh, that'd be pretty freaking wild. But offensive tackle, Chris, we have four in the first round and then one first to second rounder. So first, we have Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. You and I both agreed that he is our top ranked offensive tackle because of just his feet and how smooth he is. And while he is moving, I think when you find somebody like that who is that big, that size, you kind of hold on to him. Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, who is a right tackle. Uh -huh. And then Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, who I have not seen. And I do not see a lot of other people have him ranked that highly, but he is a Chris Flum favorite. So can you talk about him? And then the first second round guys, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, but can you talk about Jalen Duncan out of Maryland for us? Talk about him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jalen Duncan, he's a little bit small. I believe he's about six foot four, 303 pounds. Just trying to remember off the top of my head. He's got Decent length. 
you know, I, I think he's got enough size he can hang out there on the edge. But the thing that stands out to me, kind of like a lot of these other Maryland prospects where people weren't really looking at them too closely because, you know, it, it's Maryland. They haven't really made waves in a while, at least not positive waves, that is. But then when you take a closer look like at the combine and go back to their tape, there's a lot there to work with. And with Jalen Duncan, it is his feet. He has, you talked about how good Paris Johnson's feet are, and I agree with that. But Jalen Duncan might have the lightest feet in this draft class at offensive tackle. Like he just seems to float over the turf and it looks like his lower body is not connected to his upper body. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like if you are a musician, you see a concert pianist or a just shredder of a guitarist where it doesn't look like their hands and fingers are connected to the rest of their body. That is Jalen Duncan. And I, he reminds me of the offensive tackle who was drafted by the Seahawks at the top of the first round last year. Just a little bit undersized, might not have the dominant play strength, but man, he can he can match speed off the corner. He can mirror, and if when his tech, technique is right, he is awfully hard to beat. Jalen Duncan just levitating above all of us right now. <laughs> So we have five more players on the list at offensive tackle, two in the second round, Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse and Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. A lot of people are saying Bergeron might kick inside and play guard. This is somebody who did not was not highly recruited out of Canada, ended up going to Syracuse. I believe he just visited Syracuse and they and the coaching staff saw him and, and then they just gravitated towards him. Next thing you know, he is their dominant tackle for that offense for four full years. Matthew Bergeron, I, I think he could be a target for the Giants in on day two, man, just because he does have that possibility of playing guard. Dewan Jones, one of the biggest human beings to ever enter the <laughs> NFL draft, longest wingspan ever, showed up at the Reese's Senior Bowl, practiced one day and then stopped and hasn't really done all that much, I believe, in the offseason. He'll likely be a second round pick. The Baltimore Ravens would be interested in him. They didn't just go with like Daniel Falele recently out of uh, Minnesota in last year's draft. In the third round, we have Tyler Steen, who was an offensive tackle out of Alabama, but I think he's another one who could possibly be kicked inside. And then in the fourth round, we have Blake Freeland out of BYU who blew up the combine. I didn't think his tape from what I've seen was was all that great, but just a freak athlete. And that, for that alone, teams are going to be interested in him. And then Carter Warren out of Pitt, who a lot of people thought was going to be drafted much higher than this. He suffered an injury this past year. Just a long player with solid feet, technical issues, though. Chris, do you have anything on any of those five players we just listed? Yeah. The guys I, I think I'm really interested in are Bergeron and Carter Warren because hopefully the Giants don't need an offensive tackle for the foreseeable future. Hopefully Evan Neal will continue to develop. There won't be any concerns there, and he can lock down the right tackle position, and Andrew Thomas will get his extension and be the left tackle for, we'll say, at least another five years. So I think the Giants really need a swing tackle, and they need help on the interior. Carter Warren, I think he could be a value pickup. You, like you say, he's got length. He's got good enough feet. Maybe he could be your swing tackle, develop him. You know, the Giants seem to have all the faith in the world in their strength and conditioning department, their S&C people. Quite a few of their free agent acquisitions have had injury concerns, so maybe that injury red flag isn't all that red for them. And then you talk about Bergeron. I think he is a four, maybe even five tool offensive lineman. I, I would honestly be interested to see if he could be cross-trained inside to play center. And then he could just be your Kevin Booth super sub. Line him up, take him off the bench, line him up at tackle, guard, center, wherever you need help. He could be there. And that is an incredibly valuable skill set because you can only have so many guys active on game day. Moving to the interior offensive line, Chris and I have three interior offensive linemen as first rounders. Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern, John Michael Schmitz out of 
good old Minnesota. Now, it doesn't mean he will be selected in the first round, but that's just where we have his skill set valued. And then Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Look, man, Skaronsky, I think he could play tackle. He has the feet to play tackle, but he's got short arms, man. Might get kicked inside. Could have that Zach Martin career type. But you know what? That's a damn good career to have. John Michael Schmitz, that's a center-only prospect. The Giants select him. Hopefully, he'll be the center for the next decade. I don't really think he is amazingly spectacular or flashy at anything, but he is just very good at everything. There's really no glaring weaknesses with John Michael Schmiss. And then Osiris Torrance, that is just a big old dude, man. You get him into a power offense that runs power gap and duo, that guy is going to vertically displace your three technique. <laughs> he is going to remove your one technique, and he will do it with a smile on his face. You have anything on these three? We have no first and second round grades here, so we can just go right to the second round after these three. Yeah, I, I think you put it perfectly. Zach Martin was the guy I was thinking of watching Peter Skaronsky. I believe he could be Zach Martin 2.0. A fine tackle, but just his overall lack of length kind of forces him inside. And then, like Zach Martin, like Justin Pugh, becomes a Pro Bowl caliber guard. And I would not be upset if the Giants wound up drafting him, because I think he could be that good, even though it's at guard. John Michael Schmitz, like you said, there, this guy does everything well, and he is incredibly dependable. Th there are no weaknesses in his game, even if he isn't a highlight real center, which, let's be real, how many highlight real centers are there? You, you just need a guy who can be a good natural center, good dependable guy. And that is John Michael Schmitz and Osiris Torrance. Yeah. That, that dude's a road grader. Like you said, just line him up, run behind him. Profit. <laughs> Moving on to the second round. We have Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin center, Luke Whippler out of Ohio state center, Steve Avila out of TCU. And then Cody mock, out of North Dakota State. Cody Mock is a former tight end, just a really, really athletic, quick-footed player who played left tackle at, at North Dakota State. So short arms, I don't really know if this is somebody you want to draft and then plug and play near one. He might need like a year of development, but everybody is looking for these move type of interior offensive linemen, and Mock has that type of skill set. And that is a skill set that if we're looking at the New York Giants, that's what they're interested in. They signed Mark Lewinsky. He's similar in that manner. They Brought in Josh Azudu last year, you know, light feet, somebody who can really move. Joe Tippman and Cody Mock are the two from this group. And I even think Luke Whippler, who can move really well. And Steve Avila, for someone of his size, of like 330 pounds, he moves well, but he's not as nimble as the other three in this second round range. Yeah, I think Cody Mock is kind of the, he's the most intriguing of these guys. Because coming out of, coming out of North Dakota State, he was well coached there like they've got one hell of a program up there they don't call them the alabama of the fcs for nothing i think he is like bergeron he could be a five tool offensive lineman i think he could start at any of the three interior positions and be a good backup at either tackle position he has good feet he can move he is stout he's got plenty of of grit and a mean streak in his play and dude's also kind of a character out there yeah i've seen a lot of giants fans gravitate towards joe tipman at center and i think a lot of that is he he does move very well and he is a big center but man i i am worried that he might be too tall at what six six foot six and change out there if he loses pad level against a nose tackle at the nfl level Ooh, that could go badly for him. <laughs> it could certainly go badly for him. Moving on to the third round. Oluwasugan Oluwatimi out of Michigan. Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. Emil Ekior Jr. out of Alabama. And Chandler Zavala out of North Carolina State. Almost said Dakota because we've been going over all these weird directional <laughs> Dakota schools. But Chandler Zavala, who I haven't seen enough of. I remember watching Icky last year and, and seeing the guard that was playing next to him, but I don't really have enough to opine on him right now. And I'll just go through the fourth rounders as well. John Gaines, the second out of UCLA, Jordan McFadden tackle out of Clemson, who will likely go inside Braden Daniels 
tackle out of Utah, same as McFadden will likely go inside. Jarrett Patterson, who played guard for Notre Dame, some think he could play center. And then Andrew Voorhees out of USC, who tore his ACL at the combine. Do you have anything on these third and fourth round prospects before we get out of here? And then we record a podcast on the defensive big board. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, if we're looking for centers and the Giants don't draft John Michael Schmitz, I am very interested in either Oluwatime or Ricky Stromberg. I have that those two guys created very similarly and kind of like John Michael Schmitz, they do pretty much everything well. Yeah. Watching Oluwatime, I was really reminded of Weston Richburg as a guy who, okay, he might not have ideal size, but he understands leverage. He understands angles and he knows how to use that against the defender. Just an incredibly reliable and dependable center. And when you can be the first Outland Trophy winner in Michigan's history, that that is notable. And Ricky Stromberg is this kind of the same guy. Yeah, I think Oluwatimi might be a little bit better of an athlete, but I think Stromberg makes up for it with nastiness. And then I think Andrew Voorhees, he is another guy because of the injury. He is going to fall way, way further than he should. By rights, he should be a second round pick. He he was that good on tape. But with that ACL tear happened at the combine. So he's going to need a red shirt year. When you get him healthy, you are getting one hell of a lineman. And oh, by the way, after tearing his ACL, he still competed in the bench press and paced the offensive line group. Like, that is just guts and toughness out of, I don't know, whatever orifice you want to say they're coming out of, because goddamn. <laughs> The ears, the nose, the skin, anywhere, just <laughs> oozing out. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show as we break down our offensive big board ahead of the 2023 NFL Draft. Please, if you have not done so already, head on over to BigBlueView.com and check out all of our written content extensively covering the 2023 NFL Draft. We cannot wait. We are excited. Can't wait for it to happen. Take care, everyone, and have a lovely day.